You guys were talking about uh, two kids versus one. Yeah, yeah. It can't be twice as hard. It's like if you get a one finger amputated or you get two fingers amputated. It's not. Look, I already am not going out on the weekends very often. It's not like I'm extra not going out on the weekends because I have two. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, there's stuff like yeah, there's yeah. twice as much mess maybe. Although like once a room is totally fucked, a room is totally fucked. So I don't know. I, I think it's yeah. actually like if anything, kids, it's easier. One's gonna fuck up one room while the other one fucks the other room up. For example, right? Oh, or it's like point. you you get one to bed and the other one doesn't. But like my sister kids they're in like this constant uh like circle of, of messing with one another Maybe you know that cloud loop? where all the animals are fighting at once mm-hmm. in a cartoon and one of them sneaks out yeah my sister can yeah. just sneak out and go that actually happened on my 15th birthday i walked out of ukiah high school and i was walking through the parking lot and a bunch of fucking ne'er-do-wells that i hung out with were hanging out and they were all standing there with their arms crossed looking at me and as i approached they were like birthday beat down and was suddenly there was like it was my birthday. And then suddenly, like, there was like nine of my best friends were like really actually beating me up pretty bad. And it was a big scrum. And I actually managed at one point, I was on the bottom of the pile. I managed at one point to kind of like sneak out of it, just like in the cartoons. And then I was like watching them kind of fight each other. And it took them a second to notice. And I was like, whoa, that's actually a real thing. Did you do your nails while you were out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I got one thing to say about that, you guys. Recorded two weeks ago from California, New York. It's every damn thing. It's every damn thing with Jake Milklatchlane and Phil Grenier. Once while looking for the Chippendales audition room, two wild and crazy guys, Jake and Phil, discovered an abandoned studio, a van down by the river, where they found an old cue card with a ranked list of everything. After spending a week in the abandoned studio, van down by the river, memorizing the list, they were preempted for an NBA playoff game in double overtime, and the list was lost forever! The list can now only be accessed bits at a time through an extremely scientific process known as Coffee Talk with the help of both regular and musical guests. Ladies and gentlemen, and those who identify as neither or both, Jockey and Pahill! Hey, and we should say uh, we currently have 134 items on the list. Dolly Parton is at the top and Transphobia is at the bottom. Sriracha, the uh, the sauce, and Brief, the concept, are in the middle of the list. When we say Brief, of course, we're not talking about uh, like tidy whities. We're talking about something that is like uh, a, the duration is not that like long. Like a very short duration of time. Uh, so that's where everything stands on the list. Uh, if you want to check out the complete list, go to everydamthing.net. We got to rank birthday beatdowns. When are we going to rank them? They're going to rank pretty low. I haven't had one in a while. I haven't had one in a while and either. It means you're officially haven't aged. I haven't had one since like I think my mid to late past 30s. a certain age, you don't have to have beatdowns anymore. Uh, I think my last one was maybe around 25, maybe younger. Those things are can be real dangerous. Um, anyways, Donovan B uh, is our guest this you week. Can use my uh, whole first name. time. Say no AA meeting. Oh, I'm sorry. D. Badly is our guest this week. It's good to speak to you. Uh, It's good to have you here on our show. Donovan's one of our, uh, what I like to term a super submitter, having submitted many, many scores of items uh, for us to rank. That's how you get to heaven. That's true. Mm. The the first thing we're going to rank today was also submitted by uh, one of our super submitters, Thad. And that's the uh, actor, comedic actor, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd's a Canadian-American actor. He's got a long career. I I mean, about as long as anyone's going to have, right? He starts out in the 70s. He's in uh, Canadian TV shows and whatnot. He gets on Saturday Night Live. He's there for a few years with his partner. He's kind of part of a double act with his partner, John Belushi, who, of course, uh, you know. Have they been partners prior? I I don't think so. I think they met on the show. Yeah, or like beforehand. Like he was hooked up with Lauren Michaels. Belushi's not from Canada, is he? No, no, he's from Illinois. Dan Aykroyd was on, Lauren Michaels had a variety show in Canada, like a comedy show in in which he was actually. Are you talking about Lauren and Hart's terrific hour? Yeah, that's right. And uh, Dan Aykroyd, a young Dan Aykroyd, I believe at the tender age of 17, was one of the repertory kind of actors there. So he's kind of been joined up with Lorne since the very beginning. I guess you could break down his career in Hollywood into like 
three sections, which is what I did. I took some notes. Okay. Uh, from the start, he's kind of, he's like a utility guy on SNL, right? So the way they use him, yeah. I guess you would say he often plays a lot of straight men because he's playing against wackier dudes yeah. who are on there. Or, right. or he's there with Steve Martin shading Steve Martin wild and crazy guys. Or he's there with John Belushi as Blues Brothers or whatnot. And then he gets into right. movies and he's... I almost feel like he's a caricature of a straight man. He's almost like playing on the straight man trope a little bit, right? Oh, like when he does totally. like... Totally. He's like, like, like Phil Hartman. Like, yeah, he's like, very similar to like Phil Hartman. Like a proto-Phil Hartman in a lot of ways, yeah. Totally. He often played the authority figure or the dad role. Like, he plays an unsavory businessman, or he plays a guy uh, pitching an infomercial where he puts the fish into the blender. The Bassomatic I'm talking about. So yeah. he can talk fast. He can really string words together quick. If he has a one particular talent, that's what he can do. Maybe we'll get into this a little bit later. He's, like, got an Asperger's diagnosis. He's talked a lot right. about mental health right. and things like that. And it's something that he never really understood about himself. Until well later in life, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So anyways, he's in movies like co-starring with Belushi, like Blues Brothers. He's in his own movie stuff like Dr. Detroit. He's writing right. stuff. So example, he writes Ghostbusters. Now, originally, he was getting into a lot of stimulants. And he's writing Ghostbusters, which was like hundreds of pages long, the initial the initial script. <laughs> wow, so, really? And, and it's like if you try to look at it, oh, it, it takes place in the future. There's multiple teams of Ghostbusters traveling wow, through really? different dimensions. Uh, it was called Ghost Blasters. It, was, it had a different name that was funnier. Yeah. And... When you read it, I was like, wow, this is some bonker stuff. And I guess Have you like, read the whole thing? Can you, is that no, available? No, I couldn't. Okay. You can find it online. Like, and like there's some yeah. uh, sketches. We'll have to find a way to link to that in the show notes. I'm, but it was be, it but, was unfilmable in that form. Of course, yeah. But it was his baby. Um, I mean, we're not ranking Ghostbusters, but obviously it's one of the greatest comedies of all time. Yeah, although he, when you watch it, his role in it is not that big. But the point is he wrote this thing and he created this thing that is beloved, you know, even if he didn't do it alone and even if his part that he plays on screen is not the biggest. Yeah. It's about as big as the other ones, but it doesn't draw as much attention to itself. He's not the protagonist like, per se. Right. I mean, I think. Yeah, Bill I bet you he has as many but... lines as Bill Murray. Yeah, but he's not. He, he doesn't have the romance. He doesn't have a love interest. He, does... he gets a blowy from a ghost. So credit he, there. Yeah. Like he's not a very memorable character. Like when I think about the movie, I remember Ernie Hudson or I remember Egon. Yeah. 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 You know? yeah, yeah, and yeah. So like Ackroyd himself, though, I think similar to SNL, he's kind of the unsung hero of Ghostbusters, right? Like the, the movie would not work without him. His character, the way he plays it, is just pitch perfect. He kind of makes well, everybody else funnier. Well, definitely would that ghost BJ scene. For sure not. Oh, it'd be unwatchable That, that holds that. the movie altogether, sure. for certain. Yeah, the movie hinges on that part. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. He's a, a utility player in that movie, too, right? He's a part of an yeah. ensemble that you really need, which mm -hmm. kind of gets to what I'm, I'm going to get to a little bit more about him. Because in his mid-career, he's doing... I don't really want to put Trading Places in there, but it fits the theme, but... Well, Trading Places, is was it mid-career? Yeah, Trading Places, Great Outdoors, Spies Like Us, Dragnet, and all those he's like part of a duo yeah right and i feel like the one of those that he's the best in is dragnet right where dragnet he is the wacky character perfect character for him yeah and you watch it i realize that's why i like him so much is his performance in dragnet which is kind of like late mid-career for him but he's still playing a straight man even though he's the wacky character yeah though, right i mean he's such an extreme straight man in that that he goes all the way to not straight man right like tom hanks right. is kind of the straight man who even yeah. in the film is presented more as you know, the kind of kooky, ridiculous guy. But really, Tom Hanks is reacting to the ridiculousness of yeah. Dan Aykroyd's straightness. Yeah, when you watch yeah. the movie and Dan Aykroyd is like r rattling off these penal codes, you're not supposed to be like, yeah, that's right, right? Whereas yeah. Tom Hanks' character, you're like, oh yeah, that's nice. He's got that lady's underwear in his pocket, you know? that mm -hmm. That's cool yeah. stuff. Trading Places is much earlier in his career, right? You, you call yeah, but it kind of fits his theme that he's doing it's a, a lot It's a transition of, moment. It's kind of sad to think about because he's in these buddy comedies where his buddy is gone. Right. The other half to him, yeah. right? His guy who he should have been working with for who years and years. Okay, like, yeah. we don't really have duos in America like they have in the UK. Like, there will be a, a we have, they have like Fry and Laurie or Mitchell and Webb or whatever. Right. We don't really have that to the same extent. I guess there are exceptions, but I'm saying it's, it's not so much of a thing here. But these were it's, two guys who were primed to be working together for a long time. Aside from Blues Brothers, were they like especially a duo? Like, is they there, were, is but there they other were buddies. examples? Like, they were personally buddies. It was kind of like a okay, Chris yeah. Farley, David Spade yeah. situation. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they wrote together a lot in Saturday Night Live, but I can't think of an example well, uh, other the than Blues Brothers. Other than yeah. Blues Brothers, yeah, which is like probably their more you know the most popular thing. I mean, until Ghostbusters. Right. I would also just point out one other fact uh, about Dan Aykroyd. I think it was Eric Idle or one of the Monty Python guys said that of all the original SNL cast. Aykroyd is the only one that really would have been worked as a, as a Python because of his writing ability and his versatility as an actor. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Which later in his career, like once he has like a leading guy in comedy, he's gone, which is seems to be kind of early compared to a lot of guys that age. So he didn't do a lot of like when they were a lot of them getting into like family stuff. Mm -hmm. He became more of a dramatic actor around that time. He was in Nothing But Trouble, which was like his 
oh. from the mind of him, which is bonkers. You don't even. It like, is so it's bonkers. Well documented. It is so it. bonkers. It, you you got to see it, Jake. It's like what happens in it. What is it? It's, uh, you, you can't even, you can't really... even begin. It, it's got Chevy Chase, Demi Moore. A young Tupac as part of um, a digital underground. Yeah, they're in it. Yeah, and it's just I, I don't even like it, it most really films. You can say, him. "Oh, it's a retelling of the Odyssey" or something like. This is like I don't even know what. It's probably a retelling of something, but it right. is just so weird. It's bad in a lot of ways. It's really bad, but okay. actually, like not in a fun way. Like you're not gonna have a blast watching it. It kind of was like all the Eddie Murphy movies where he plays like nine characters. Right. I feel like that movie, Nothing But Trouble, was sort of the proto that because you got Dan okay. Aykroyd and John Candy both playing, I believe, multiple ridiculous characters with lots of prosthetic makeup. It sounds you know, good, man. It, it's it, pretty it, good. It, it, yeah, it might sound good, man, but it's good like a John Waters movie. In a way where okay, you're like, okay. I can't say that I really was in, like enjoyed that per se. That's not the right word. Yeah. Maybe there isn't a word in the English vocabulary for what happened to me while I watched that. Right. But like yet I'm compelled to watch it again. Yeah. So then he gets into like uh, more dramatic roles or he's in Pearl Harbor. He's in My Girl. Right. He's in Chaplin. Mm -hmm. He uh, gets Oscar nominated for Driving Miss Daisy, where he plays right. uh, Miss Daisy's son, which I never saw the movie when it came out, but I watched clips of it. And is he like the bad guy? In it? Is he like a racist? I think that the bad guy is racism and is defeated by Morgan okay. Freeman later in the movie. Right. I didn't watch yeah. the clips of him are not of that part. I, I just saw him and, I, and he's, he did the accent fairly well. So I said, oh, this is pretty good. He's gotten mm -hmm. into promoting his, his vodka, which is Crystal Skulls. He's really big into like ghosts aliens <laughs> right. uh, other dimensions time travel yeah. you know i don't fault him for that and like i believe like maybe a fraction of that stuff the fraction is one once or what's that yeah. how do you say that <laughs> like I'm on board with it. he comes from apparently a long line of mystics so like i think his grandmother oh, wow. or his grandfather really? was like you know sort of from the spiritualist era was like a yeah. known i don't know medium oh, like a medium. or something and his father wrote a book about ghosts as a young and, man he yeah, was out in canada like and thing. he saw a white raven which is okay. like wow. something you don't see every day and it's yeah. a moment. And it's like, got to mean something, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was Snowbird of Alpha Flight. Oh, yeah, probably it was. That would totally fit in with her uh, MO. That makes sense. He's a co-founder of the House of Blues, which is apparently the... I think the second largest oh, music venue. Yeah, him and the yeah. Hard Rock Cafe guy founded House of Blues. Now, House oh, of Blues is still a going concern now? Yeah, yeah. It's like, owned by Live Nation about now. It. Yeah, he sold, they sold it to Live Nation. In, in the Bay Area? Uh, there's not one in the Bay Area. The closest That's... one to us is uh, either in Vegas or L.A. Oh, okay. Anyways, uh, I always liked the guy. Um, as a kid, I really liked him. And I realized what I like him the best in is Dragnet. Like, you don't get more... Yeah. Of him doing what he does best, and that maybe a little bit uh, trading places, like he's, which I think he's fantastic right. in. I um, think, I mean, like the Great Outdoors too. You know, like that—that's kind of an uneven movie, but he is the the highlight of it. I, I confuse it with Uncle Buck. I always think of Candy as like no, the ridiculous like he's one. He's like he's like the rich snob brother-in-law, and John Candy's the everyman, and they're on vacation together, camping or like in a cabin, so, right? And so there's when just you a, watch the, it, the one scene that I remember think... is you know John Candy's looking out over the lake. And, uh, and he's like, oh, isn't it beautiful? You know, this is great and peaceful. And then Ackroyd just says like, I see the underdeveloped resources of Northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I see a syndicated development consortium exploiting over a billion and a half dollars in forest products. I see a paper mill and if the strategic metals are there, a mining operation, a green belt between the condos on the lake and a waste management facility, focusing on the newest rage in toxic waste, medical refuse. Infected bandages, body parts, IV tubing, contaminated glassware, entrails, syringes, fluid, blood, low-grade radioactive waste, all safely contained, sunken in the lake, and sealed for centuries. Now, I ask you, what do you see? That little monologue is like prime, prime Ackroyd. He can string words together in an engaging way, and that's tough to do. Not everybody can do that, you know? Um, you got anything else more to say about him, or you think we can try to rank him? I have one more thing to say about him, just quickly. They okay. made a, a biopic about Belushi in the late 80s called Wired, and it mm. was apparently a yeah, really negative portrayal. Aykroyd was so incensed by it that he he really went out of his way and rallied a lot of other people to to just basically sink this movie. And now, you, apparently, you can't even find it. Like on VHS or you know whatever. Wow, interesting. Well, there's a Belushi VHS, doc but... from more recently, just from the last couple of years, right? Where he's right. talking to him. It's like a HBO or something like that. I know there's something. But this is a biopic. This is like not a documentary. Oh, yeah, it was okay, Michael okay. Chiklis breakout role or non breakout well, role. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I would have thought cool. like you want to get his brother to play him or something like that. So does Jim his Belushi think the same? They were all boycotting like, it. They might have asked, but they were like, "No, man, you're not." I refuse. Know. Let's you guys have the list up. Are you ready to look at it? Oh, yeah. I'm ready yeah, to look at the list. I'm looking. Do we have other... Uh, now let's look at so uh, other... Bill Paxton is an actor. Yeah. Um, he's not a comedic right actor. 
He's at number 24. We have a couple of comedy acts. We have the Three Stooges at number 27, and then we have Cheech I, and Chong. you got to put him below the Three Stooges. Well, yeah, but then I, you would put him below Trading Places, which I think is fair because Trading I, Places I is too, just yeah. as much Eddie Murphy as it is him, yeah, yeah. but... But that's more a good Jimmy Lee Curtis and the and the other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Trading Places at number thirty-one. The next thing down, I think that uh, is comparable is Anthony Gowdy as Cheech and Chong. I think. <laughs> yeah. But that's much lower down. So that's at number sixty-five. And I actually like Cheech I and Chong like quite a bit. I think I'd like to put him above Cheech and Chong. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Um, at number fifty-nine, there's Jessica Rabbit, who is a fictional character, but uh, yeah, she's kind of like him in that. Like, there's some things that she does really well. Right. But you don't want to. She's not going to be best in every movie. You know, it, like there's a reason why every movie doesn't have Jessica Rabbit in it. Because I appreciate like what he contributed like to Saturday Night Live and Ghostbusters. I think yeah. and Ghostbusters is so great. I think I'd want to put him above that. Now I'm looking up closer to, uh, let's see, um, Popeye, which is 47. You think he could have played Popeye? Like say, say Robin Williams had said no. It yeah. would not be Dan Aykroyd. I kind of think uh, he could have done I don't know, it. though. I mean, I think he could have. He's the type of actor that could do it. He doesn't really look like Popeye. In the same way that I think Robin Williams like had a natural, you know, he had those huge forearms, for example. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. he had an anchor tattoo fortuitously. And, and he had only had the one eye. So I, I, I feel like he goes I, above Popeye. What do you think about with that, Phil? Like, I'm right not really sure Popeye, about putting though. him. Yeah, I think around Popeye, but I would say. How about Charmander, number 50? Well, he's a real person and I value real people over fictional people, unlike you. So I would put him above Charmander. Yeah. What about right below Popeye? Now, put him above Land and Carthage. Now, Carthage is where they invented. What did they invent in Carthage? The alphabet. The alphabet, Which he yeah. wouldn't have been able to write Ghostbusters if there's no alphabet. He could have used a different alphabet. They don't invent. Like, oh, pictograph? How many pages yeah. are going to be then? <laughs> um... How about a uh, right below land at number 49? That works for me if it works I for you. I could be okay with okay. that. Yeah, that feels all okay, right. Okay, that was pretty easy. So um, Dan Aykroyd, the actor, goes in at number 49, uh, moving Carthage to number 50. Uh, so we're going to take a break and come back and rank the next thing. We're back. Next thing we're going to rank, I'm calling it a media franchise. It's Wayne's World. It was a sketch on Saturday Night Live, and then it spun into two movies and stars Mike Myers as Wayne and Dana, Dana Carvey, Carvey and then as Garth. And it's like a talk show sketch. So there's people that come in, right. usually people that live in their town. The premise is that they're um, public access TV. Yeah. Uh, Aurora, Illinois. Show. Yeah, in access. Aurora, Illinois. A lot of their guests were like the local policeman or a teacher from their school or something like that. But eventually they started having guests that were uh, just celebrities appearing as themselves in the sketch yeah like um, it's madonna or it's mm -hmm. uh, one of the sketches features a live performance by um one of phil's favorite groups aerosmith yeah oh i'm I gonna that. we don't talk you gotta bleep that out because i don't uh, it's a <laughs> no no steven tyler and none of that like stuff. dan Aykroyd, this is a thing that came from canada um like it evolved from a segment in a canadian show called only rock and roll that mike myers did why in can't 1987. he be canadian textually he is. Oh, no, you're right. He's not. Like, why is he from Illinois? Why can't he be from some somewhere in Canada? Like, what is it that people wouldn't get it? I, yeah, that's a good question. I think that is that because they consider it to be mostly an American audience. Saw... If it's going to be in Canada, if it's going to feature Well, Canadian in the movies, he's really into Canada. hockey. Like, they play, remember, Game On, they're playing hockey, which oh, yeah, is probably yeah, yeah, also yeah, big yeah, totally. in, in the Chicago area. But And then oh, they're yeah, eating, like, point. curlers and stuff. And, like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's coded Canadian in that movie. And Chicago seems like sort of the best stand-in for Toronto, maybe, out of American cities. I guess sure. you'd think somewhere in Michigan would make sense. Well, no, but Toronto's a much bigger, um, I mean, maybe Detroit, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but that makes sense. Toronto's a much bigger city than I think Detroit is. Is there a Beavers and Butthead without Wayne and Garth? With, I, I don't know. I, I was so. thinking about this a lot. I feel like there's a, a genre, which is like the sort of dopey male duo. Yeah, well, I can't acknowledge that there are duos in comedy in America because I said a few minutes ago mm -hmm. that we don't really have that. So I can't really agree with you, but you're right. Yes. Just for clarity, we're, we're ranking the whole Wayne's World we're universe, talking about right? the oeuvre. Yeah, yeah. Oof. And that sketches on Saturday Night Live, and then there's two so, movies. There's some uh, commercials um, recently. Yeah. yeah, there's some commercials where they're shills for the gig economy. Yeah, but that didn't hurt. Dolly Parton's our number one, and, and she was right. a show for the gig economy as well. Yeah, so. but she was that after we ranked her. So Good call, yeah. When you were talking about these sort of dopey duos, the first Wayne's World sketch aired on Saturday Night Live the day after Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was released oh. in theaters. 
Interesting. Which, I mean, obviously, they're, they must have been written around but, the same time. I mean, time, the lineage but... of it, like Donovan said, goes back to, it's like Bob Hope and uh, Bing Crosby Of course, or yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or like, like Dean Martin and uh, Jerry Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. But they're even more similar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The youth culture oriented. They're coded as stoners, even if they're not like texturally stoners. Mm-hmm. True, yeah. The big three are Beavis and Butthead, Wayne and Garth, and Bill and Ted, right? I, I think those are Yeah, they're are all like, right around that same they're time. They're all right around the same time. And I was thinking about all three of these you know, as I was, you know, doing my preparation for for this very podcast, and I was, was it made it, was me it really spiritual think, preparation, or just you mean there like... was some primal screaming and some meditation, things like that, yeah. and it made, made me think about nostalgia because right. when I think about it, like my dad and other people didn't really think that any of those things were funny, but I fucking loved them, yeah. and I don't mean we should jump to ranking, but but as I think about ranking Wayne's World, it made me think about. Like, how good is this actually? And how much of it is just my subjective experience of nostalgia, right? Because it does remind me of a time in my life that is like, I look back on fondly and they were like part of it. But like, really, I just don't think it's that funny. Uh, this may be a hot take. Well, That's the problem is I went and watched some of these and they weren't laugh em ups to me. The sketches aren't especially funny. I mean, they... At the time, I, they shown though. I remember watching the Leslie Nielsen episode when it was fresh, like it was new. Right. And you were of a different age. And I mean, that was, I think that was their first sketch. So maybe it was that much more new. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I know. I, I, but I mean, it hit hard at the time, but it's just, it's, it, comedy doesn't age well. So it's hard to rank, right? We might get into this later in this episode, but I think like many SNL skits, they're not especially yeah. funny. There's some moments where they're funny. Um, they're not usually hilarious. Like the ones that I was able to watch on YouTube, which was only like five or six of them, they did like, I think they did 21 total, but I, w- I was able to watch what I could find on YouTube, which is a portion of that. I found them still charming and I was impressed by the energy. Like for example, the extreme close-ups. I thought that was funny. Just that they did that, especially that they did it live. There were things in the movie, especially the second movie, like formal stuff that I thought was quite fun. The second yes, movie they, I think is better than the first. Now, are they both the same director? It's a, uh, no. I forget her name. No. She made um... Mike Myers had her fired. Oh, that's really? true. Really? Did he? I didn't know that. It's the woman that directed Decline of Western Civilization and those it's movies. Spheres. And so she did Wayne's World 1 and then like the Bohemian Rhapsody scene, right. she wanted to keep doing multiple takes and Mike Myers was like, this isn't even funny. It's hurting my neck. And they got in a fight over it. And then he had her fired for part two because of that. Oh. I tell you what, she was right. Yeah. Both him and Dana Carvey totally phoned it in in that headbanging bit. Mm-hmm. Compared to the other three guys in the car, they yeah. don't go for it at all. That um, seemed pop though. And you know, Queen sold a did. lot of records. That seems off only that. like five minutes into the movie. I, like I watched both movies today. Yeah, right the and that scene like happens right away in it. I feel like they should get a thank you letter from May and from Freddie Mercury's estate once a year for like she, she should. For putting that scene yeah. in the movie, because that movie yeah. revitalized that song. People weren't talking about Queen when that movie came out. Yeah, yeah. I think I had never really heard that song before that. Yeah. It was new to me, and I remember MTV at the yeah. time. You guys probably remember as well. I saw this had a full-on music video that was pretty much just that scene, maybe with other stuff yep. edited in. I saw the movie in a packed movie theater. Right. It was like all teens. They had seen the trailers. Yeah, you know, what I mean, yeah. everything worked just right. Where they, everyone was like pumped for it. Yeah, yeah. They really nailed it on this one. Wayne's World was really popular. The sketch itself, by the time the movie came out, and so yeah, it was really primed for it. I mean, and this is still the highest grossing movie based on a SNL sketch to date. I don't know if I like the first one more than the second one. Well, the second one has some stuff that makes me so I can't watch it. So I never have it tainted for me like I do other You're talking things. about Aerosmith? You, yeah, okay. that's why I know that that's in the second one. So I just remember that there was some cool stuff in it, but I can't yeah. watch it again. So like Donovan said, nostalgia is a pretty powerful drug. So it's like I just assume that it's as good so as it was. you're cooler I, with avowed right winger Alice Cooper than you are with Aerosmith? Look, people sometimes can create great art who have politics I don't agree with. Yeah. Uh, you know who's now, also in the second one is, um, Alice Cooper's in the first one. The second one has a cameo by... Um, Ted Nugent, I would imagine. No, no. What's his name? He was the spokesman for the NRA for a long time. The old guy. Charlton uh, Heston. Charlton Heston, yeah. There's a lot of people I really, I don't agree with. It's like I mean, the, honestly, the number like of people talking who... about assholes involved in Wayne's world, uh, Mike Myers is a, apparently a world-class asshole in is general. Is that true? Yeah, Dana Carvey huh. is beloved by everyone who's worked with him. Mike Myers Dana has seems left great. a trail of pissed off people, apparently, in his wake. And I, you know, Dana Carvey's a hometown hero or like a home area hero. He's from the Bay Area. I think he's from a, a San Mateo. Um, he's also a sweetheart you're talking about. Of the two of them, he's the funniest, especially acting wise. Dana oh, yeah. Carvey has some superhuman abilities. Right. Sometimes you see people who are performers and you're like, oh, I understand it. This guy's eight feet tall. I understand why he's in the circus. With Dana Carvey, yeah. 
his superpower is apparent when you watch him. Right. When you see him spin out an impression or something, you're like, wow, this guy, you know, he's not playing around. Like in this, he's not doing impressions. I mean, maybe it's that he built this character so well. And it's mostly subtleties. It's mostly really small things yes. that really crack me up. That's the case. I, like I said, I did watch both the movies. And the movies both, they have a lot of big jokes that have like really elaborate setups. Like they do this whole spoof of the end scene of this graduate mm -hmm. that like, I mean, it's amusing. Like I didn't, it wouldn't bum me out to watch it. But it's, these big jokes weren't especially funny. But the small things, especially with Dana Carvey, like the little subtleties uh, mm -hmm. I found to be Wait, really hilarious. Wait, so you hilarious. saw them just now? I just watched both movies today. Oh, I take my hat off to you, man. They're worth watching. I found like the first one I thought was overall really entertaining. The characters are good. There's a lot of solid jokes and humor in it. Smart and sophisticated, uh, a lot of it. A there's lot like of dumb just... smart and there's smart dumb. And there's both in that movie, as and I recall. And there's both. Yeah, but, there's a lot yeah. of serious camp in it, which I think was probably common for the time, especially I think with Mike Myers. You know, there's fourth wall breaking, of course, throughout it, which is sort of neat. Uh, there's references that people wouldn't understand today. Like they spoofed the great Poupon commercial, which like if you showed that to a Zoomer, I don't, you know, they'd have no idea. Or like they spoofed Laverne and Shirley, the opening mm -hmm. to that, which I found delightful to watch, but a person wouldn't get it. Yeah, it doesn't it mean anything as a joke. It's like just a reference to an earlier thing. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I which, think the movies, they're, Sort of a series of like gags and catchphrases, right? Like maybe that's a little too harsh, but... Oh, well, that's what life is itself. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, like I feel like they're not... I mean, look, I don't want to jump to ranking again, but we're going to obviously reference Bill and Ted when we rank this. And right, yeah, when I yeah. think about Bill and Ted, it's like... Yes, there's a lot of good jokes and humor, but it's also got like a through line yeah, yeah. and it's got some meaning there. You know, maybe not. I don't want to oversell that, but you think Wayne's Wayne World is mostly edifice, right? It's it just is. like a collection of sketches. There's just really. enough plot there to hang the gags on. It's not trying to be anything else. Like mm -hmm. it realizes it's that. But the thinking is like, what's it about? It has to be about 90 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it's about making jokes. Yeah. And again, like about half of the jokes, they rely on these catchphrases and these gags. I was thinking um, about Mike Myers. You know the stuff where he's talking in bed with a woman and he's joking around with her? You see it in yeah. Austin Powers, too. Yeah, yeah. He's joking around with her and his job is to say funny stuff. And she says, oh, you're so funny. Right. Man, what a job that like for both of them. Like his job yeah. is to say stuff, write stuff. And then he hires this beautiful woman, uh, Tia Carrere. Who, yeah. Or Liz Hurley, you're really hot, and your job is to la like pretend to be charmed by this guy, right? right. It's a just a weird occupation, or just a weird thing to be a weird artifact. Um, like seeing that performance, I want to see a, a supercut of just him in bed talking to beautiful women, <laughs> saying stuff that they find charming. Uh, go back to the performances in these movies again. Dana Carvey's great. He does his own drums in the movie. Like he knows how to drum. I had to look it up to make sure that it was him drumming in it, and he is. The second movie's got Christopher Walken in it, uh, who treats the role seriously and is great in it, delightful to watch. And Kim Basinger, uh, who is mm -hmm. so attractive. <laughs> like, oh, I thought it was yeah. Heather Locklear was in that movie. She, I didn't, I... she appears in it too. She's got more oh. of a cameo. Kim Basinger's in it. Basinger? Basing, ba Basinger? Whatever. I forget. Yeah, She's I know who you're like, talking about. Swing, man. You're like, talking about America's sh Sweetheart. Swing. Yeah. Is so, Phil Hartman America's Angel in the movie? He's not in it, no. Speaking of swing, I, I, I was made a little bit uncomfortable by um, most of the objectification of females in it. Yeah. I don't know if it was funny then or not funny then. I don't know if I'm just like cuckified by cancel culture or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it. Uh, it made me nervous. And there's a lot of it. And in the sketches as well. You know, They're they ranking just... women on a like a swingometer in one of the sketches. Well, that's basically what, what we're doing yeah. with this project, though. We're hanging out. We're in our basements. We're ranking people <laughs> among them women. Aerosmith is performing live. Yeah. It's the whole thing. What Wayne's World does and kind of what the creators are doing through Wayne's World is really similar to what we're doing now, except for we're pushing 50. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Jake, you're hitting hard, man. Uh, yeah. So anyways, it's hard to criticize uh, too much. Let's talk about some more of the negatives about the movies. The second movies. Oh, I know what you're going to say next. Got some stuff that if I was Asian American uh, or Asian or if I was Native American, it's got some stuff in it uh, that would annoy me some. You didn't give me time. I was going to open yeah. the envelope where I wrote out Jake is going to talk about <laughs> depiction of Asians in the movie where a Filipino uh, American or Pinoy uh, actress. She plays Chinese. The yeah, exactly. Chinese. Yeah, you know, she's he, Cantonese because uh, he learns Cantonese for her, right? Correct. Yeah, but yeah, Tia yeah. Carrera's not Chinese. Yeah. So even worse. There's a scene in the second one that's like a spoof of Kung Fu movies where Mike Myers is doing Kung Fu battle with uh, mm -hmm. Tia Carrera's dad and there's a bit where it's overdubbed. While I can see somebody finding that offensive if they're Asian, Asian American, um, I laughed out loud a number of times during it because it's a really good, loving spoof of Kung Fu movies. Um, also in the sketches, the bit uh, Homo Says What, they ended up getting rid of that for the movies and turning it into a sphincter says what, 
But originally that joke was a homo says what? There's a bit of gay panic too. There's the part where Rob Lowe is g- given a rectal cavity search, which like, yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe we're getting a little too ticky-tack. But well, like, yeah, feel, yeah. It's definitely like, like stuff, oh, he had something up his butt. Oh, I, you know, I, it's like yeah, a Yeah, I feel bit. like for that stuff, there's like a macro that you had back then, a, a screenwriting macro, where it's yeah. like, if you hold down like <laughs> command three, it'll be like, and then the primary antagonist is violated anally in some way, yeah. you know, in the final scene. Yeah. Like we have trading places on this list, which has a, a man is sodomized by a gorilla. That's, right. That's most of what I have to say about Wayne's World. I think leaning especially on the movies, I do like them. You know, there's lots of laughs in it. It's usually the small jokes. It's all really an artifact of its times and it's still watchable. Well, it's representative too. Very. Like I would point these movies if somebody was like, tell me about what was going on in the early 90s broadly in culture. This is one of the things that I would point people to but if somebody said i want to watch a funny movie would you point that to them like what's no, the no, oldest no. comedy no, think, that you would recommend to somebody who probably is, like a buster keaton not for educational purposes I'm probably the about. general probably buster right. keaton uh, but what i'm saying about them like being a good artifact of the time with some good and some bad and like some things not yeah, aging yeah. well um this is true of snl stuff in general mm-hmm. like if you know someone wanted to know what was going on in the u.s in 2009 culturally yeah, yeah. you might point him to snl so uh, that's for the next segment, but um, you guys got anything else to say about Wayne's no, World? No, Do you want to try rank and rank it? it? Yeah, I think we should rank it. Okay. Some things that are kind of adjacent to it. We have a Star Wars, which is also a media franchise. Right. That's at number at, twenty. At twenty. Doesn't I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to go sure. anywhere. No, that it doesn't. High. Right. No. Oh, there's Training Places at thirty-one. Truman Show at thirty-three. I don't think it should go as high as either of those. No. No. I think the next thing down is one of the Bill and Ted movies. Bill and Ted's, yeah. Bill and Ted's Journey. Bogus Journey. Sixty-five. I think we can generally compare this media franchise to Bill and Ted in general. Again, like this. Like this yeah. is. This specific movie i think it's a really good reference um, and then you have cheech and chong right below bill and ted oh, which is yeah, also which is similar and yeah. that's actually like you could almost call that a media franchise yeah as i mean much, it's essentially the same thing it's an idea it's a duo yeah, yeah. it was a sketch it's been movies yeah, yeah. I, I don't um, really want to talk about that because i said we don't really have comedy duos in the u.s <laughs> and then like yeah, now you have i've been like proven wrong multiple on your, times on your very well, list yeah. this duo started in canada uh, actually i think chong is from canada uh teaches from the u.s i kind of want to put this above teach and chong just because i always liked it more i'm not a teach and chong dude i I don't, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm a little triggered by that, but I can accept it. I, I will have a really hard time putting Wayne's World above the best Bill and Ted uh, sort of expression, which is Bogus Journey. Yeah. I just think that yeah, those that's are very directly ceiling. comparable and Bogus Journey is just better than Wayne's World. Do you I think mean, this just is, is just about the age you were when it came out? Because this is why I was talking about nostalgia. Like yeah. at the time, I probably enjoyed, I was a bigger fan of Wayne's World than I was What's of dirtier? Um, Bill and Ted. You're and a dirty I think boy and you want changed, to hear dirty words. That's right. What's changed though is like, I think in rewatching both of those things in, in my adult life, I, I appreciate that what Bill and Ted is doing on a much, like on a deeper level. They play Battleship with death, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to rank it below Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Cheech and Chong, I'm not so sure about. I mean, I think maybe the mm-hmm. best Cheech and Chong is going to age more than the best But we're taking of their whole of. Although what Wayne's world really has going for it is... Dana Carvey's performance as Garth. Yeah, he's and, the, he's clearly the highlight of the yeah, whole and, thing. And as a performer, I put him above anything, or you um, know, any mm-hmm. Cheech and Chong or Bill and Ted at all. But we're I not would, ranking Dana Carvey. Like yeah. if you're ranking Dana right, Carvey, yeah. he'd be above Dan Aykroyd. Like, yeah, 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 totally, totally. Right. It's a duo that has him yeah. in it. So do, what do you guys think? Below or above Cheech and Chong? Above. I think it could go above Cheech and Chong. Okay. They're very similar. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think, I think we're I'm agreed okay then. Uh, Wayne's World Media Franchise goes in at number 66, moving Cheech and Chong to number 67. Uh, and then we're going to uh, take a break and come back and rank one last thing. <laughs> Phil, are you pressed for time? No, but I'm pretending to be pressed for time for comic effect. Oh, okay. So are we back? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. The- I'm in, hey, can we make it quick though? Because I'm in a real hurry. Uh, well, this is Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's one of the longest running TV shows in history. So, now, when um, did, what year did this start? Started in 1975. It's now in its 46th season. Um, pretty much like if you look at like the TV shows that have run longer, the only ones, they're mostly either Meet the press new or shows. Meet the Press is the longest. The Tonight new Show shows, or something. Yeah. Sports shows, yeah. game shows, and uh, The Tonight Show. So it's an institution. Yeah. Now, Donovan, have you ever seen Saturday Night Live live? Have you been to a live no. screening of it? No, and it's one of the great regrets of my of my life. My my wife, Becca, has. Yeah. So Saturday Night Live, you can go to the dress rehearsal, and then, oh, the, right. and then there's a second audience that comes in for the live thing. And apparently right. the dress rehearsal is almost like better because there's sketches that don't make air. There's a joke that like the, the people at GE don't like, and so they have to yeah. like they take go out the- into dress rehearsal with more sketches than they can air. So there's yeah. always like a few that get uh, killed. And they, they I think they just really base it on like somewhat on audience reaction and whatnot. So, so wife, I have two personal connections to SNL. Okay. One 
is that um, my wife, uh, a friend of hers and a friend of mine, but lesser so, used to do um, like lighting. And, and right. like we always had a standing invite to go and I just never fucking went. So I'm an asshole yeah. and he doesn't so, work there anymore. And then um, the infamous Jessica uh, Simpson thing with the lip syncing. Yeah. Um, this dude, Trevor, that I knew was um, he actually worked for Jessica Simpson. Okay. Um, but it was his fault that that happened, apparently. And he got fired from her, like whatever wow. her production team. So those are my two little like so Trevor, if you're listening, you're getting called personal. out right now. Yeah. Um, Donovan, um, so I think last. because of those things, because you had the standing invitation to go, even though you never went, I think of our friends, you're probably the most qualified to talk about Saturday Night Live. Well, we've uh, also why I'm we, glad we've that grown you're here up on the in a world where it Thank exists, you. also, and we've it's been around pretty much our whole lives, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like it's it was, where, it, and it's it, like for for years you watch you watch comment the whether or not you see it in person. Most people in America don't see it in person; they see it on television. And true. and I'm so just saying anybody can talk about it. Of course, yeah. As an American, like, oh, yeah, I was just was saying Donovan of our friends is the most qualified to talk about it. I feel you're talking about most of us growing up with it. I bought the book. It's an oral history SNL. I think it's called mm-hmm. Live from New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. The I book. It's it like the, a couple I weeks ago when, Shoals, when we decided we we're going to do this. And then I read the first 20 pages and haven't gotten past that. It's good so far. But, uh, you know, I realized while reading that, that this TV show is being conceived um, at the same time I was. Yeah, by the same people, too. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lord Michaels is my dad. Um uh, did you guys know that like originally um, it was intended to be, they, they conceived it as having a uh, rotating permanent hosts. Uh, it was going to be Lily Tomlin, yeah. Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Uh, and then yeah, Pryor and, dropped right, out. And the, there were going to be more Muppets, but if you watch the old oh, schedule wow. with the Muppets, they don't work. But oh, man, you know, so like Michael time. O'Donoghue, who's like the head writer and had some power. He was like, I don't want to write for felt. That was his like his, his right. quote. It's funny because Jim Henson always sort of wanted to have this something that worked more adult, and it's like they thought that that's what SNL right. was going to be. You watch Saturday those Night old Live ones, is though, like um, it's a tough watch. It really is an institution, and it it, it kind of feels like. Do you ever think about how like there's people at the high school that like you and I all went to mm-hmm. um, that like go to that high school and have their whole experience with that high school and have no idea who we are and we'll have no idea who they are because they're like just accessing wait, wait, the same not, not institution. Me though, right? Like you guys, yeah, but like not not me, Phil Green. Yeah, no, everyone knows you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but like Saturday Night Live's kind of the same thing. It's like you can't even talk about it really because I mean, of course we we can and will, but there's so many just different stories and things and everybody has their own sort of like relationship with it. And I don't know. I mean, at least for me, it's such a fundamental aspect of my entire life. You know, I don't think about it very much, but like if it wasn't there, it would, there'd be such a hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that you kind of overlook or you take for granted. Like it's really something that I think kind of everybody takes for granted you mean, because like most of the time. You just take it for granted that there's this show that they produce yeah, and it, and it goes on at night and it's in New York and it's live. And then, People want to be on it, and if they can't, yep. you know, they'll they'll do anything they can to be on the show because it yeah. can make their career for them. Yeah. So it's yeah. young comedians. Not only do all these young comedians want to be on it, these great and these great people that have come through it, but uh, also the hosts. Yeah, and whenever the you watch guests. it, that's somebody's like they're doing a. Usually, when they're on that, it's because they're doing like a victory lap. Like they just mm-hmm. they were in a movie that won right. an Oscar yep. or they won a, a gold medal in the Olympics, yep. and yep. so you're seeing them at like the peak of their success. Yeah. So so yeah, but then you think like it's kind of like the Chicago Cubs or something where. Chicago Cubs have been around forever and, you know, players come and go and managers come and go and it changes from time to time, but it's, it's still the same architecture. They play in the same building, right? They, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes it it works for years at a time. They're never very good. (laughs) It's it's a lot like baseball in general, kind of always happening. There's, it happens in seasons, but like in any year, there's going to be a lot of it. Um, And it's, it's usually not going to be exciting or especially good. mm -hmm. And also 17% of it is entertaining. Yeah. Each airing of it is going to have like something interesting that happened. And sometimes it's going to be amazing, but it's rare. Sometimes there's good runs and it has uh, people, new faces coming in and out of it. Mm -hmm. It Also like baseball is it hasn't really had the total focus of the American population for 30 years, right? Because our attention right, span yeah. is splintered. There's other things on. Uh, people aren't going to watch a whole baseball game. They're not going to watch a whole episode of this with commercial breaks. And, and right, they're going to yeah. watch little clips of it. You know, they'll watch a 15-second clip of it, which is kind of what's weird is it seems like a lot of the success they've had in the past, say, 20 years, which is almost half their run now, is more of a focus on pre-taped content, which they'd always had. They saw yeah, early. I think there's a, a point thing, at which they realized, sure. I think maybe at Andy Samberg or somebody had to talk him into being like, we got to do some pre-taped stuff because of the internet. Yeah. Good on them because it, that it allowed them to like adjust. But it kind of gets away from the, format of, the initial format of the show, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, honestly, like it's great that they do it live. I think they should always do it live. That's one of the things that makes it special and unique. And it's, a, you know, it's a really unique thing that for national TV, that specific live 
thing that they do um, in that format. I actually now watch it more almost than I ever have, even though I don't think it's like mm-hmm. like as good as it has been. Do you watch it on the, the day that it comes out? No, I would prefer. Well, Ali, my wife likes to watch it sometimes when it comes out. I would prefer to watch it the next day if I can mm-hmm. watch it the next day. I'll watch the whole thing if if I can skip through all the commercials and especially through the musical guests. Uh, I feel like my peak viewership mm-hmm. of it, and I think this is true for a lot of people, was like maybe before my 16th birthday, right? Because a lot of times you have a car. And you're less likely ah. to be home on it. I think like that's why so many people are like my favorite season. Oh yeah, they tell that's you the year point. was their favorite, and it was the year that they were 15. You know, or when right. they were like yeah. in college I bet and in I, the dorms. I bet if you asked me like basically what was going on with um, SNL as it's called between the ages of like 16 and then when I had children, I, I that's probably the the era of SNL I know the least about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You. But I, mean, I think you right now, like Dick in the Box or whatever, like that's like. Yeah, like the yeah. stuff that went on the internet, yeah. like you said. Yeah, I so think it's had some also high right points now, and some low points over the years. That's right, and I think right now it is at a high point. I I think, and it's mostly because I think maybe the best performer ever is on it right now, which is Kate McKinnon. Um, Kate McKinnon. She's just she's like really good. Uh, she's fucking incredible. Yeah. We're not ranking her, but yeah, no, she's really good. She's like just she's kind of like Dana Carvey. Yeah. I mean, like she's kind of got that same like. I don't know what I'm seeing right here, but it's it's amazing, right? Yeah. The impressions. It's been some really talented people over the years who haven't made a made an impression on the show. You know, people who you're like, how can they how could they not get anything done with her? You know what I mean? Or how could this person not work? Like some yeah. really great people have come and gone on that show and and mm-hmm. not been able to get you know like you know Chris Rock is a, is a perfect example, right? right. Where it, yeah. he couldn't like crack the rotation. Yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. <laughs> Robert Downey yeah. Jr. I forgot yeah. that he was on it at all. It's the weirdest thing. Like and it didn't, it didn't work. Like that whole like tactic that uh, that was when Lauren Michaels came back after you had been gone for five years. I think so. Yeah. And that like the next year, 1986, the show got very close to getting canceled. It was like an 11th hour. I feel like hour, without Eddie Murphy, saved. that could have happened. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Joe Piscopo wasn't going to cover it. So like there's all, all the people that we know that were like big stars on it and went on to continue being big stars. Eddie Murphy, Bill Murray, you know, everybody. I don't watch it now. Like I, I, I guess I've seen it in the past few years, but it's pretty it really good. turned like, me off it, the past couple of years where they would do this stunt casting where it's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. They have a lot of talented people on the show. But then they bring in Ringers, a celebrity that looks like a famous person in the news, and they're in sketches too. It's not just in the cold open. So they're in the beginning and they're in mm. some sketches. So I'm like, this is taking a job. Like, surely they have somebody that works there that can do Rudy yeah, Giuliani. Yeah, I feel yeah. bad. Like when they had, they have like Jim Carrey coming in to do, um, or like Alec Baldwin to do Trump. And then yeah. like, he's kind of taking a lot of the thunder there. And then, yeah, he'll even show up in some other sketches. And I'm like, man, I feel bad for the people whose sketches aren't even making it on the air because. Yeah. You or know, like the person who Alec Baldwin prob- decided to show up. You're telling me there's not someone there that could do Trump or there's not someone there who could do I, whatever, whoever's in the news that they bring in Matt Damon for or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? It's fun when it's like not every fucking week like it was with Alec oh, Baldwin. Also like yeah, they had old. Trump on the show when he was running yeah, for president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were like, this is funny. Uh, this guy is a harmless guy that we're yeah. going to, uh, he, he's willing to lampoon himself. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, like, yeah. a lot of people did that. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some of the not so great you know, savory side of it. Like, okay. obviously it's historically been quite a bit of a, like a boys club, even though right, yeah. now it's actually got quite a lot of women. And even in the original cast, there was Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Gilda Radner. Right. But I think like, you know, just like anything from that era, there was some, some problems with the culture. It's um, pretty toxic in general. About. I mean, not just because of the chemicals, but like it's, it's competitive. You're competing against everyone else. There's a limited yeah. amount mm-hmm. of, of time on the air. You're trying to get your thing on, you know, the, the the other person writing, you're, you're trying to like, you want their stuff to fail so that yours can work. There's a lot of backstabbing and things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like some of the sketches, even like if we're talking about the stuff in, you know, uh, Bill and Ted that we don't like, like uh, you could, I mean, it's almost unfair. They've, there's been so much content that's been churned out under the banner of SNL that there's a nice chunk of it that is probably very cringeworthy. For sure. Now. Yeah. What stands out like of things I've wanted to look at from Saturday Night Live from the past. A lot of it's, I'm talking about America's Angel is Phil Hartman. Like he right, yeah. has such mm. a has such a presence and was so good in, in, in little roles and utility roles. Yeah. I just thought he was so awesome. I mean, that's somebody who, where would you have ended, ever seen him if that show didn't exist, yeah. right? Like how would that guy have been brought to your attention? How would he become yeah. America's sweetheart so that then he could be America's Angel when he died? There's some other people that at the time they weren't that big that came out of it that made an even bigger splash. Conan O'Brien, for example, was a writer there, never was a player. Adam or, McKay, oh, 
also who I love, like is awesome mm-hmm. director. Oh yeah, Odin Kirk too. Mm-hmm. Odin Kirk, of course. Yeah, who by the way has a um a small role. Him and um who's the other writer from around his time that Smigel? Smigel. Him and Smigel are in Wayne's World too in small roles mm. as like concert nerds. He's great. The did you guys seen that when Fear played? Have you watched that? Oh, they're banned. The, yeah. right? the band Fear. Yeah, they they played in 1981 and got banned because the audience. It, I'll I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can hey, find it. Didn't but they the audience fire Jenny Slate for saying an f bomb? They did. Yeah. I think there's been a couple of those people that yeah. if you cuss on the air, they, that's pretty much, that's it, unless you're like the biggest star. Right. But yeah, the fear thing is great. And that was Belushi. The, the cool thing about that is, I mean, I don't know. I don't think fear was like a big well-known band at the time, but Belushi was a huge punk fan. And he just was like, he like knew them from hanging out with them on the Bowery or whatever. And he got them on the show and it was like, he had to really pull some strings. And then, and they invited a bunch of like, you know, just punks <laughs> to, yeah. to be in the crowd and they they trash the place yeah and, uh, yeah they mosh they staged up it's worth watching one of the, my very favorite things from, i mean there's lots of really really funny uh stuff from saturday night live um but maybe i think if i had to like watch one greatest of i would might watch uh will ferrell's mm-hmm. you know his characters he's, he's got just intensity. so funny um, but it also includes celebrity jeopardy which includes norm mcdonald as burt reynolds which is one of my favorite norm things mcdonald is yeah yeah but norm mcdonald in general but like yeah. him as burt reynolds is one of my favorite things to come out of it um he did a uh the news what's it called weekend update weekend update yeah and that is generally the funniest thing on the show yeah. like i said earlier that the current season is good when i say good i mean it like it stands up to like the with donovan's 17 percent of it being good you know is uh, kyle money still on the show yes okay good i always yeah. liked him when i'm watching it i usually am waiting to see michael che uh, on weekend update yeah he's um, got good him and colin just have like a good little Again, there's that duo. That's like the theme of the episode, right? But but duos, like that's not a thing. Uh. Another comedy duo. <laughs> <laughs> but actually going back, you know, Dan Aykroyd briefly was the update host. He famously he? did that the sketch with uh, Jane Curtin, the count uh, point counterpoint sketch. Do you guys know that one? Oh, yeah. it's a famous one. It's like if you if you Google Dan Aykroyd, that's the first thing that comes up, which I'm sure he's totally crazy about. Yeah, <laughs> okay. he, he uses and, an epithet that we won't we won't say oh, on, the, really? on, okay. on the air and, here. And, but, yeah. okay. the but it's, it's really funny it and it's done in a... It's done fully ironically, so I right. think maybe he gets at least uh, half a pass for it. I'm ready to rank it, though. I feel like yeah, we should th- the there's fat. nothing any, that I really need to say about it, other than like to repeat that it's a real, true cultural institution. There's yeah. nothing else like it, even though it's like mostly fine at best. Mm-hmm. It, it carries a lot of weight as a cultural. It's good as yeah. a showcase for yeah. talent too, and as yeah. for like you know, it, it does it has other roles besides being a laugh 'em up. Um, my my eye is drawn directly to a thing on here, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I want to see where you guys are oh, okay. with this. Like, what is your what is the first thing that jumps um, out to you on the list that would be a, a comparison point? It, it, it's so massive as a thing. It's something that my eyes drawn to right away just because it's comedy and features one of the, or a couple of the guys from it is Trading Places at 31. Mm-hmm. That's a starting point for me. I'm inclined to put it below Trading Places, I think. Mm-hmm. Just because I think Trading Places is such a well-constructed movie and Saturday Night Live is frequently sort of a mess. I don't know. Yeah, that, it's 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 really... Star Wars at number 20 is similar. So Star Wars is what I was looking okay, at. Yeah. And I'm not even... Ta- I don't know that I think it's better or worse than Star Wars, but I think that like, just yeah, because it's so much more where... than even a media franchise, it's like just yeah. a, again, like an institution. Yeah, because in yeah, Star Wars is something where I consider myself a fan of Star Wars, but... I like about half of the Star Wars movies or less. Mm-hmm. With Saturday Night Live, if I've watched an episode of it, I probably like about half of the content or less, yeah. you know, but it doesn't, yeah. I could still say I like well, so it. So let me... I, so by my, the way, I take wife, back what I said Rebecca about being inclined to put it below Trading oh. Places. It, there would be no Trading Places without SNL. Uh, I think That's that... Right. I, I, I take that back. So, it still would have been a studio comedy that year. It just would have had... Yeah, but it might not uh, have been as good. It would have had like, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor in it. That's, there's yeah. no comedy duos, man. So I was talking to my beautiful wife, Becca, about it. it. And we kind of agree, like, it's not even about the content, right? It's almost like the ceremony of watching it, whether you're watching it on Saturday night or the night after. There's just something like, it's almost in a category like air. I'm not saying it should be where air is, but it's like air, land, and sea. To me, it almost has more in common in terms of something you would judge or rate with things like that than it does with like other movies and I kind of feel the same way about Star Wars, by the way. I, like, it's almost just like, I can't even, it's hard to comprehend my life without that thing, you know? Yeah. 
That's a good call on that one. I agree. And what I about think... plants? That's another one that's like that. It's very big. It's very broad. It's hard to imagine life without it. Although we need plants for our life we yeah, have to live. So where's plants? Plants are at number 36. 36. Uh, so I think that's a little bit too low. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the comparison works. Yeah, yeah. I think that putting it closer to, um, to Star Wars uh, is a good idea. Um, I mm-hmm. just can't decide whether or not it's above or below Star Wars. I, don't, I think I it goes sh- below because, I mean, well, what it's if, hard to say. There's so much of it. What if it, So if Star Wars had never happened, if it was erased, yeah. if Bill and Ted went back and erased Star Wars, mm-hmm. yeah. or they went back and erased Saturday Night Live, like what would leave the bigger gap in like, not even just in your life, but just in the world. I think something bigger... like Star Wars, what would have been inevitable, something like Star Wars would have happened if Star Wars didn't happen. Yeah. I really do. It's just funny. They're both, they both come from about the same time. They're both started as sort of like scrappy, you know, underdog yeah, ideas. I, yeah. Uh, I think that SNL was an expression of, of, of like the counterculture yeah. in a way that, that like Star Wars was not like a, an output well, I mean, Star of Wars was an independently produced exactly. Film. Yeah, but what I'm saying, I'm not saying like the ideals of the counterculture. I'm just saying yeah. I don't think that Star Wars was a was like the culture was at a place where it had to produce this thing. Whereas like SNL, I think it was it was going to almost like well, it was going to happen, and it was also just like the the time that it dropped was like later on in the counterculture revolution, if you will, and it was just this. It it really represented kind of a outsiders taking over the mainstream yeah it was like the national lampoon Um, voice yeah but it's on broadcast television on nbc you could kind of say that about star wars that's sort of the result of auteur directors you know film school people yeah it's like it's like the first generation of people who had been going to film school and now are making these movies i I think they want to put it below star wars yeah i I like star wars more if i how far below i'm okay with directly below it um unless you think it should be below uh mendison i like bill paxton a lot man bill paxton's great but bill paxton here's why let me tell you jake every time i I see Bill Paxton on a screen, mm-hmm. my eyes light up. I say, nice. I'm in good hands. If, if, think of all the people that SNL platformed Yeah, that you might also like more than Bill Paxton. Oh, you're talking about America's Angel so. now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, Donovan's like, point is good. Bill Paxton is great, but if SNL had never existed, would, would how big would the hole be left in culture and history? Big I think, holes. You're right. Big holes. Big holes. So um, let's talk about Mendocino County at number 21. We're all from there. Weirdly uh, similar. It's sort of like a thing that was always a part of at least our lives. Yeah. yeah, people and come that, out of there. That um, you kind of took for granted, but like yeah. all your favorite characters came up oh, in that yeah. environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's, kinda, yeah, it's, it's usually boring, but there's a number of great things to remember about it. Let's put there it right below Mendocino side. County. You guys have convinced me. Okay, There's we'll, a musician from Mendocino County that's been on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Bonnie Raitt, right? Well, yeah. see, I don't know if she's from Mendocino County. Well, whatever, yeah. Bonnie Raitt's the closest adjacent, that we yeah. can think of, though. Yeah. So I think under Mendocino County, it works good, uh, if you guys agree with that. Under Mendocino County, yeah. So uh, Saturday Night Live, the TV show, goes in at number 22, uh, moving Boxer, the dog breed, to number 23. Uh, and we finished the episode. We now have 137 items on the list. We did it. We did it, yeah. People said we couldn't, but we did <laughs> they it. did. When we started the show, there were people that said, you're not going to get to 137 items. Guarantee you, They Phil. said 136 maybe, yeah. yeah, but 137. It's impossible. It can't be done. Um, it couldn't be done. It shouldn't be done. They said it wouldn't be done. Uh, Donovan, we want to thank you for coming on. It was nice to be Oh, my be pleasure. Thank you, that. guys. I'll come back anytime. People who have listened to any other episodes, including this one, if, if you've heard some funny um, spoof commercials or other bits in the show, um, those have been made by Donovan, and we appreciate that. They're real fun. They make me crack up, and we've gotten good responses from listeners on them. Uh, thank you for listening to the listener now, not to Donovan. Donovan, thank you again for being on. Um, thanks for listening to Every Damn Thing. We hope you enjoyed it. So go to everydamthing.net for the updated list and our show notes. Uh, if you have something to add to the list of everything, uh, email it to us at list at everydamthing.net. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can suggest topics there as well. Subscribe to the show wherever you got this episode. Our theme is by Jade Puget. Oh, hey, Jade I Puget, was I forgot. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Jade was. Uh, so anyways, if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it and uh, recommend it to a friend. And again, Donovan, thanks for coming on. I uh, hope you come back sometime. And we'll catch everyone else next week. Goodbye. Later.